0: Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch our show and subscribe to our show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. You can also check us out wherever you listen to this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts. Just be sure to rate review and subscribe so you never miss a single edition of the show and be sure to follow me julian council on twitter at julian council where every single friday like today i answer your weekly friday mailbag questions here on the show to participate next week on the weekly Friday mailbag on Locked On Panthers, either at me or DM me on Twitter at Julian Council. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Coach season is upon us, and y'all have a ton of questions here on the Weekly Friday Mailbag on Locked on Panthers. So let's go ahead and get into it as we're trying to figure out who will be the next Carolina Panthers head coach. It seems pretty obvious, though, that it's likely going to be a young O.C., with a quarterback background based off of all the candidates that David Tepper wants to speak to. One quick update: Ben Johnson, the Lions OC, who, according to Bet Online, has the top favorite or top odds to be the head coach here, five to one. Asheville native played at UNC as a walk-on quarterback. And apparently he'll be interviewing next week with the Carolina Panthers. Going to go through the AFC South this weekend. Then he'll be here in the NFC South next week. But let's start off here with Owen first, who asked, is the Panthers head coaching job really that appealing to all these potential hires? If the locker room is behind Wilkes, it would be hard to turn them on to a new coach. Okay, sure. Now, Mina Kimes have brought this up on Thursday's show. Mina Kimes at ESPN does a great job. She believes that the Carolina Panthers have the top job, she says, because they have an ascending offensive line, young defensive talent, good skill players, an owner with big pockets. All they need is a quarterback. Now, I would say the owner with big pockets actually isn't a positive because what has his big pockets gotten the Carolina Panthers so far? Bad decisions on Sam Darnold, uh, the whole failed practice facility in Rock Hill. David Tepper is the negative. And quarterback can be viewed as a negative or it can be viewed as a positive because a new head coach is coming in and not inheriting a guy like with Josh McDaniels out with the Raiders. And I've already let you know, I think Josh McDaniels is a terrible coach. But we've seen one year in, he's like, you know what? I'm good here. I don't want Derek Carr. A coach is not having to come in here like in Denver and hope that Russell Wilson actually isn't cooked. A coach can come in here with a fresh late for him and his quarterback, which hopefully will be a rookie. So I do think this is an attractive job. When you look at Houston, the dumpster fire that that organization is, the, that coach also can get a quarterback second overall. Maybe if they trade up to number one overall, you're going to get a quarterback there in Houston. So you can start fresh, but the ownership of group is terrible. In Arizona, you're inheriting Kyler Murray. Do all coaches like Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray certainly has had his own issues as far as leadership ability, his ability to stay healthy. He has the ACL, so he's probably not going to be I mean, not probably. Definitely won't be 100% at all next season. So your first year is already a wash. And then the hope is that you can bounce back after that. But Arizona, organization in flux. Uh, Look at the Colts. They don't have a quarterback. They're in position to get one. They don't have one, though. Jim Ursay, yikes. And Denver already spoke about them. Carolina absolutely is an appealing job. When you look at the foundation on defense with Derrick Brown, with Jeremy Chen, with J.C. Horn, Maybe Shaq Thompson comes back. I don't know. But Frankie Luva was really good this year. All that defensive talent. Brian Burns, of course. Then offensively, you have the offensive line. You have your left tackle and Iki who he really didn't even praise that much this year. Which tells you everything you need to know. Because when you're talking about a rookie first-rounder, most times it's in a negative light because they're being awful. Iki was terrific this year. You have that settled. Brady Christensen. Hopefully the ankle's fine. Bradley Bozeman got to bring him back. Right guard of Austin Corbett, we'll see how that goes. But Cade Mays certainly looked capable when he came in in the second half of that Saints game on Sunday. Then at right tackle, you got that man locked up, Taylor Milton. An excellent offensive line. You just got to add a couple more skill players. You got DJ Moore. Terrace Marks is coming along. But I, I need to see some other guys, especially pass catching tight end and more receivers, step up. And we'll see what they do at running back to really feel good about that offensive unit as a whole. But, of course, at a quarterback. Yes, to me, looking at the other five jobs available right now, this is in a very appealing job compared to what else is out there. Um, Matthew. He says, "If we get an offensive-minded head coach, what are your thoughts on Wilkes staying as DC? I know there were questions about players already having loyalty to Wilkes, but those have been outspoken about Wilkes. Have all been defensive players. Wilkes also hasn't gotten any interview requests. uh, Interview requests, excuse me. Besides the Panthers, so despite him deserving a head coach job, a DC job might be the best bet." for Wilkes right now, or might be the best that Wilkes can do. Yeah, unfortunately, that is just the reality of being a black coach in the NFL. And I'm not really trying to make it about race, y'all, but let's be honest. We see the candidates, and we see who gets the jobs and what jobs they get. It is outrageous at this point in time that the Broncos, the Colts, he doesn't need an interview in Houston anyways. And obviously the Cardinals, like, Houston doesn't need an interview there. Arizona, not an option But the Broncos, Colts, none. you guys don't want to talk to Steve Wilkes at all? At all? Because how did your interim head coach do up there? Indianapolis of Jeff Saturday, who I love. He's a tar heel. How did that work out? Not very good at all. Didn't salvage the season. Denver, come on. Could work out with Steve Wilkes. You're already looking at Dan Quinn, so obviously you're not opposed to defensive head coach. Why those two teams have not called him? Beyond me. But Arizona, obviously not an option. Houston clearly shouldn't be an option for Steve Wilkes. You should be begging him. Don't call me. I'm not interested after what happened the last two years. Um, but I've said this before. If you bring in a head coach and he can't win over the locker room because of Steve Wilkes, his presence or his absence, then you have the wrong guy. Absolutely. Because you have to be able to come in and lead the team. We get so caught up in the X's and O's. And whether this guy is an offensive wonderkin or mastermind or whatever it may be defensively, Can he lead men? We know Steve Wilkes can do that. Whether Steve Wilkes is here or not, the next head coach has to be able to galvanize the team and lead them. And if he can't do that, then David Tepper shockingly got it wrong again. I don't think Steve Wilkes needs to stay on his DC. I don't know what he would want to do. I would love for that to happen. But I do wonder, within that locker room, how that would be handled. Now, these guys are professionals. They're gonna have to follow Wilkes defensively and what his game plan is on Sundays, but they also overall have to follow the guy whose job is head coach. Maybe we'll see. I don't I don't know if that's what Wilkes will want to do. I also feel like he's above that at this point in time, and it's still, again, insane to me that Denver nor Indianapolis have called him to come interview. Um, Dave, something tells me, this is a comment, not necessarily a question, saying something tells me that David Tepper and Scott Fitterer are interviewing all these young offensive minds to get their opinions on the Panthers' strengths and weaknesses, and in the end, the leader of men, that being Steve Wilkes, will be named the head coach, and he'll bring in a new OC and keep Al Holcomb as his DC, and we may see some former Panther players come aboard, and start their coaching careers because of this hire. I think some people are thinking maybe Luke Kuechly, uh, maybe Josh Norman, because he's talked about he thinks he could still play. But it really feels like more of like a mentor role. If that's the case, hey, just come over here and um, be like an assistant defensive backs coach, or be a coaching intern, or something uh, like that. Yeah, part of the interview process is talking to these coaches and having them evaluate the roster and tell you what they think the strengths and weaknesses are, and how they think they can build upon those strengths and how they think they can fix those weaknesses and turn them into a strength. Like, that's what's going on during these virtual interviews this week and next. And then after that, they'll come in and they'll establish more of a concrete plan of how they want to build this organization. And David Tepper, Scott Fitter, um, Nicole Tepper, and the rest of the uh, Panthers brass, I imagine Stephen Drummond will also be in there. They can get a better feel and understanding of who the right candidate is for them. So maybe that's the case. I have a hard time seeing that, considering that David Zepra has not spoken to a single other defensive-minded head coach. Clearly, he's looking to turn one of these guys into his head coach, if it's not Steve Wilkes, But we'll see. Um, all right, Chris. He says, hey, Julian. Hey, Chris. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Bleacher Report, but that's my primary source of sports news. Hmm. You've got to be one of the few people, I think, that say that. But, okay, Chris, I've always been uh, very familiar with Bleacher Report. Don't mind what they do. I think they do a good job. Uh, but he says, but a lot of the members of the Panthers community are making comments about the defensive side of the ball regressing under Wilkes. I argue that was more the injuries, but would love to hear your thoughts. Also, probably a good source of content if Wilkes gets the job done. What do you hope such think the staff will look like? So, first and foremost, Steve Wilkes at no point was a defensive coordinator here in Carolina, this time around here in 2022. He came in as a secondary coach, and when he was elevated as the head coach, or the interim head coach, rather, Al Holcomb was the D.C. Steve Wilkes is never a defensive coordinator here in Carolina this season, so yes, defensive-minded guy. Yes, a, a guy who's going to have his hands all over the defense, of blueprint. So certainly not going to completely like exonerate him of any wrongdoing as far as the defense goes this year. But I don't think the defense really was bad. I would have to dive deeper into the numbers of the red zone and turnovers and all that kind of stuff. Didn't really feel like they got that many takeaways. I thought they probably were better in the red zone this year than they had been in years past. They certainly were terrible back in 2021. But Jeremy Chin missed seven games. Um, Shaq Thompson was battling nagging injuries – all season long, J.C. Horn, Dante Jackson, like losing those guys in the secondary um, for t- like a lot of weeks. Definitely for J.C., not J.C., but J.C. has missed four games, but then Dante really missing, I think, half the season with the Achilles tear. It's hard. And he lost Xavier Woods. They're still not great against the run. I, I thought the defense was still good, if not fine. I don't think they were bad. I don't really feel like they regressed because there's certainly areas you can point to this Panthers defense and look at how great they are and also point to them and look at how they're pretty middle middle of the road, if not like mm, really bad at it. So I don't really look at Steve Wilkes and having um, the defense regress under him um, over the last couple of weeks. Like Saints game, look great. Bucks game, what are you going to do? You're down your top two corners. Lions game, look great. Other than that, I thought they were good throughout the season. Okay, uh, let's take a quick pause here. I'll come back and answer more of your weekly Friday mailbag questions right here on Locked on Panthers. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights for your job posts company and their 875 million member profiles to put your posts in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you gotta try a Built Bar We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year, which is basically the goal for everyone every single year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good, you ask? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate on every single built Bar. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy for you. Only 130 calories, Four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you don't need to wait around for a box for years we've been talking about ordering built bars at built.com you can still do that but now you can get them at your local Walmart or at Sam's Club, that's right head to your nearest Walmart, walk to the pharmacy section grab yourself a box of Built Bars you can pick up a 4 bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs and if you're close to a Sam's Club and of course if you're a member run in don't walk and grab a 13-bar box of their hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. All right, let's get back into it. The weekly Friday mailbag on Locked On. Panthers either at me or DM me on Twitter, at Julian Council. But first, click the follow button and follow me throughout the season and all the time. Now we're to Kurt, who is wondering what this season could have looked like had Steve Wilkes been the head coach the entire time? He says, if Wilkes was a coach this season, what's the Panthers record? It's impossible to say just because he's coaching that Cade York doesn't uh, make that because he's coaching that Ko Is it coaching that impacted Cade York doesn't make that long field goal opening day and such? Uh, however... We were snake bit under rule, and I could see effort and luck going the other way for us in games like Browns and Giants to start the season. And then maybe we're nine and eight or even seven and ten. Well, that's what the Panthers finished as Uh, because of the Rams game isn't Wilkes first game. That game goes differently as well. We were in it until the fourth quarter as it was. Yeah, I guess it's um, reasonable to ask. You know, look like the first five games, and I guess you could add in the Rams game where the, def- the offensive game plan was um, run the ball, P.J., you're going to throw it behind the line of scrimmage, no mistakes at all, which was not a, obviously, winning game plan that afternoon. The Rams turned out to be a very bad team, a worse team than the Carolina Panthers, and they, of course, dealt with a lot of injuries, which played into it, the defending Super Bowl champs, no more. Uh, week one, you brought up Cade York, who after that was – not really good for the Browns. He missed a ton of kicks that ended up costing them. I think they lost the game to the Jets where he missed a couple extra points and had that issue throughout the season. So the Panthers just got unlucky for this guy to make a 58-yard field goal in Week One. Also, we know the roughing the passer penalty was absurd. Um, there's another penalty I can't remember when it was uh, later on in that game. Oh yeah, it should been no. It should it should have been a penalty. The no call on like the false start or whatever it should have been. I- yeah, that Browns game, the offense was a no-show in the first half. They finally got going. Is that different? If Steve Wilkes is the head coach, do They are they able to stop the run as they weren't in that game? Maybe. I don't know. The Browns game just seems like a kicker got it right. Maybe you can make that a win. The Giants game, certainly another one of those games where the Panthers' offense did nothing. The defense was great all day. I think they probably had more success with Steve Wilkes. Arizona, one of those games as well. I don't think they beat the 49ers (laughs) under any circumstance. So it's a possibility that this team, I think, with Steve Wilkes all season long and with his philosophy, and you have to factor into, like, Sam Darnold wasn't healthy. So if Darnold's healthy, does he start the season? Do the Panthers have more success in the first five, six weeks instead of having Baker and then P.J. starting that one game on the road against uh, the Rams? And I know he started more games the rest of the year, but I'm just talking about the six-game sample size. Possibly. So I could see them having been 9-8 and eight, or maybe my uh, season projection of 10-7 and seven, had Steve Wilkes been the head coach. But uh, the world may never know. Um, we got Rod now. He says, I would say Frankie Louvu is the Panthers' 2022 breakout player of the year. Do you think he's the team's 2022 MVP? He has been more productive than star players like Jeremy Chen, may need to move back to linebacker, and Derek Brown. Brian Burns led in sacks, but seems to disappear for long stretches. Uh, I don't know if that's fair for Brian. I think he was better against the run this year. That's certainly been a weakness. And then getting 12 and a half sacks is like not nothing, especially when like he was the guy, he's your chief like edge rusher. And the expectation can't always be like, Hey, Brian Burns get like two sacks every game. Like this is not going to happen. At least it hasn't happened. So I don't think Brian Burns has disappeared. I just think the impact it has on the game mainly is edge rushing And realistically, you're only going to get like a sack, maybe a sack and a half every game or maybe once in a while, they're kind of maybe get stacked more. So it's going to be like consistent um, production from him in that position. Uh, Derek Bryan, too, by the way, had a really good season. He tied Mike Rucker for the most tackles by a Panthers defensive tackle in a season with 67. So I don't think these guys played badly like the stars that you mentioned. Um, Jeremy Chin missed seven games. So, that kind of ruined his season. Even when he played, it didn't really feel like it was the Jeremy Chin that we had seen in the first two seasons. But you're right to mention Frankie Louvoo. And I don't think you have to downplay or I don't even necessarily – maybe downplay is not the right word. I don't think you need to bring up the performances of the rest of the defense to sit there and to highlight how good he was this season. Because I agree with you. Not only was he the breakout player, I don't know if he was the MVP – So I guess I don't agree with you, but I do think he was outstanding this season. 11 111 tackles rather. 76 of those were solo, 19 tackles for loss, 7 sacks. Frankie Lou was a steal too, y'all. I think he made like $4.8 million this year. If you look at his cap hit for 2023, it's $5.5 million. Um, He has a $4 million non-guaranteed salary. The Panthers could cut him today or when the new league year starts in March, and it would cost him absolutely nothing. And if I'm Frankie Lubu's agent, I'm not saying they should do that. Do not do that. I'm not saying that at all. But if I'm Frankie Lubu's agent, buddy, I'm not stepping on any practice field until you show me the money because that dude is a stud. And when you look at Shaq Thompson where his future certainly is in doubt because he has a $26.5 million cap hit this upcoming season and the Panthers could save like $13 million if they cut him which wouldn't be surprised if that happens, especially if Steve Wilkes is not here. If Wilkes is here, he's back. If it's a new head coach, hard to see Shaq Thompson being back unless he's willing to take a significantly lower salary next season and beyond. He says he wants to retire as a Carolina Panther. Uh, Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer had a good article about that on Thursday um, here locally. So we'll see. But if Shaq's gone, Luvu, I'm like, hey, where's my money? Where's it at? Show me the money. He's awesome. I love watching him play, and I hope he stays here for as long as he wants to be a Carolina Panther, and, of course, as long as they can keep him. Um, Luke now. Hey, Julian. Hey, Luke. Uh, question for the mailbag pertaining to the kicking situation the Panthers may have. Barring that game in Atlanta, Eddie Pinero was one of the best kickers in the league last season. No, no, no. Even with that game, Luke, he was one of the best kickers in the National Football League this past season, or still this season. Um, while he was fantastic, went healthy. Two seasons in a row now. Zane Gonzalez has had season-ending injuries. Do you see a scenario where Eddie is re-signed and they have a kicking competition in camp, or do they cut Zane and say $1.8 million against the cap in a role of Eddie, who is Chris Tabor's guy? Yeah, well, I guess there's a question that really can't truly be answered until we find out who the head coach is and or the head coach wants to retain Chris Tabor. If they don't, uh, I would question that, unless they have a guy who's just their dude who is a great special teams coordinator. Then everything is on the table, I would like to see a competition between Zane Gonzalez and Eddie Pinheiro because why not? Two solid kickers, which you would want here in Carolina, work them both out, have them go through the voluntary portion, the mandatory portion, and then go through training camp and then let the best man win. That's how I would like for this to play out. Let's just not hand the job to somebody, go out there and breed competition, which can will go out there and compete, which will breed excellent that's my hope that what they do there so absolutely sign eddie let him know hey man we already got a guy signed but you were excellent this year you want this job come out here and earn it and hopefully that's the case so we'll see what happens um all right let's take another quick pause here on the show and i'll come back and answer the rest of your weekly friday mailbag questions on locked on panthers this episode of Block On Panthers is brought to you by friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from the NFL playoffs to the NBA, college basketball. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, which I imagine you do since you're listening to this show here, you can find those as well at BetOnline. They're always the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website, today or use your mobile device and learn more But online where the game
1: starts if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast
0: Let's wrap up things here on the Weekly Friday Mailbag on Locked On. Panthers, again, right there if you're watching on YouTube, there's my Twitter handle, at Council. at me or DM me. Of course, follow me first to participate next week on the Weekly Friday Mailbag. Let's get into some draft questions, baby. You know it's my favorite time of the year, y'all. The NFL draft season's almost here. Well, it's still coach season. Got to get a coach. And then y'all can start asking me more draft questions. So right now, let's do this. Until new rule, until the Panthers have identified a coach, let's maybe lay off on the draft questions. Hmm? Is that fair? Either way, ask them whatever the hell you want to ask. I know you're going to do it anyways. Um, all right, Heinzey, he said, is there a quarterback prospect in recent years you can think of that is like AR? that being Anthony Richardson of the University of Florida, go Gators, Uh, where they barely played in college. When they did, their numbers were not impressive and still got drafted early, mid-first round. Actually, Heinze, I do. There's a guy by the name of Josh Allen who plays quarterback in Buffalo. I looked at Josh Allen's stats at the University of Wyoming. Go Pokes. Cowboys as well up there in Laramie, his final year, where he only threw for 1,812 yards. Had a 56.3 completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 204 rushing yards, 5 touchdowns. Compare that to Anthony Richardson's last season at Florida. He threw for 2,549 yards, 53.8% completion percentage, 17 touchdown passes to 9 interceptions, and ran for 654 yards and 9 touchdowns. I'm not saying Anthony Richardson's going to be a Josh Allen. I don't know how good he's going to be. Because I've already said to y'all, the dude... Looks awesome. When you watch the Utah game week one, you're thinking, okay, it's over. Heisman, just give them guy, give the guy the trophy, build a statue next to Tebow, next to Werfel, next to Spurrier. It's over in Gainesville. Then a week later, when it's him and Will Levis, and Levis, you know, I thought Levis was pretty good in that game. He looked awful. So bad, we're late in the game, Florida had no idea what to do offensively. They had to throw the ball, and he had no confidence in their quarterback. He didn't look great against South Florida. He looked awesome against Tennessee. I know his completion percentage wasn't great, but he made a lot of plays. Put up some big yards on South Carolina. Georgia, not great. But it was an up-and-down kind of season. And he's a young guy who's still developing. And I've read some scouting reports that actually say that he has really good pocket presence and he makes a lot of the good right reads and can put them in the right spots, just not consistently enough. And Josh Allen, kind of the same case. So maybe. And you look at the build of the two guys as well and the athleticism, like it's very similar. If people want to compare Will Levis to Josh Allen, how about we like compare Anthony Richardson to Josh Allen, but wait, far more explosive and possibly has a bigger arm, dude. So Richardson, the dude could be a freaking stud. and could be the best freaking quarterback in his generation if he can put it all together, which – Man, that would be so cool to see it happen here at Carolina. I also just look at him like, mm, man, oh, that's worth the risk. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure it's worth the risk, rather. Can you get the right coaches in place to help him out? So, he's going to get drafted in the first round because traits, and you look at him, it's, it's hard. It's really hard not to want that guy. But then you watch a guy like Stetson Bennett, who's 5'11", and has less measurables, less tools, and that dude goes out there and has played way better than Richardson the last two years, And he's probably like a day three pick. So, I don't know. But that's kind of a comparison there for you, Heinze. All right, over to Mark. He says, uh, your favorite time of the year has arrived. You're damn right it has, Mark. Draft season. Uh, What do you think Federer should do or should be willing to give up for the number one pick? Um, number three, if Stroud or young was still available, number five, if Richardson's still available. Drafting Levis would be like getting a younger Darnold an athletic poor decision maker. See how well that has worked out. Yeah. I'm not really loving Levis either. Um, like, by the way, if we're going to do the quarterback situation here, like young Stroud, give me Richardson, then Levis. Cause I would just rather with Richardson, just go out there and just like risk it all <laughs> for a guy with his athleticism and his talent level. And that on, like I would rather have him, Levis, even with Levis' experience in NFL offense, which is the only reason whatsoever people are hyping him up as a first-round talent going into this past season, even right now. Give me Richardson. Um, So, <sighs> the number one pick, they're going to have to give up, like, this year's first round, which they're going to swap, next year's and probably the year after that to get up to number one. I'm really not trying to do that. Three. Because here's here's honestly what I'm cool with them giving up. Obviously swap this first year, this first rounder this year, um, give up next year's first rounder, give up second rounder this season, because you already got one of them um from the 49ers, and then give up a fourth rounder this year as well. So two first, one second, one fourth. I think that's fair compensation. So I'd be cool. If they do that, I'm totally fine with that. I think Scott Fitter will make the right decision. I kind of trust him there. <laughs> kind of trust doesn't really mean I trust him, but uh, I would be fine. Two firsts, a uh, second, and a fourth. That seems to be fine to move up the three or five. Probably not enough for number one. All right, over to Devin. He asks In your opinion, would you rather the Panthers trade up and take a guy like Stroud or Young to develop or take another shot at a bridge quarterback, fill the roster holes like tight end, cornerback, and another edge rusher where it all f- or if uh, where if all else fails? You take a quarterback quarterback next year like Caleb Williams or Drake May. Also, Leslie, who is a Tar Heel fan, who asked me, um, should the Panthers just wait and try to get Drake May next year? Look, that's a dream of mine. If the Panthers could just, like, say, yeah, screw it, it's running back with Darnold or Corral and then, like, didn't get Drake May. The problem is you're going to have to be the number one or two pick next year to get Drake May or Caleb Williams, depending, of course, on how things shake out. I don't know if it's going to be possible. <laughs> I would love that. A Charlotte kid, a Tar Heel, that would be so cool. I don't think it's going to be a reality, unfortunately. Who knows? Maybe down the road, Drake May comes back and plays with the Carolina Panthers, wherever his career takes him. Who I have no idea. Um, but I think it just makes sense to trade up and develop a Stroud or a Young. And then I think you can sit at nine and get Richardson or Levis. May, uh, I think Levis might be gone by then. I think you can sit at nine and get Richardson. So, but we got to see how the dra- the, how the combine, all that kind of stuff. How the pro because the draft process hasn't really started, y'all. Season's not over yet. Um, it doesn't really start until like February when the combine rolls around. I get the senior boy, I guess, coming up soon. Um, but either way, we haven't really gotten to see how the evaluations have changed and who's now the guy and who is now dropped down. But I right now for me sitting here on January thirteenth, I'd rather trade up and go take a quarterback and develop them rather than do like the whole Derek Carr situation, which apparently someone sent me this to my DMs. I, I don't know where the source is from, but uh, they said that Derek Carr with well, this report said that Derek Carr would be an option for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, if they are not able to get a quarterback in the draft, the Panthers are going to be able to get a quarterback in a draft. It's just whether they're going to get the one they actually want, which they're going to sell to you as, yeah, we wanted this guy the whole time, which they already did to you with Matt Corral. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, two more left. Terrence, who asked, James Bradbury homecoming after the season? Question mark. It sounds like James Bradbury is going to price him out himself out in Philadelphia. Maybe he can find a team friendly deal, but he signed a one year deal. It's probably his last chance to really get paid. So for his sake, especially if the Eagles won the Super Bowl, like, yeah, dude, bye. You got the ring. Go get the, the damn bag after that. Don't know if the Panthers can afford him. Also, don't know if the role he would play here would be what he wants because he's played the number two role there in Philadelphia. That's already taken by Dante. I don't know if they're going to move Dante to like the number three corner, but uh, I don't really see that happening. So, no, I don't think that's going to necessarily happen. Then, But, hey, you can always go back. We've already seen it happen multiple times. Uh, Travis, final question asking, do you think Carolina will draft a running back or go after free agents like Jamal Williams or Alexander Madison? If you're going to sign any running back, just sign the guy you already have on the roster now. Um, and Deontay Foreman. I'm good on Williams. I'm good on Madison. I'm honestly good on paying a running back at all. I would rather use draft a running back and be, be, move on. So I don't know what they'll do. It, I can't answer this really until we see what happens with who the new head coach, head coach is and what his philosophy is. And if Deontay Foreman fits that, I know y'all want Foreman back. I'm not necessarily opposed to it. I'm just opposed to the overall principle of paying running backs more than seven twenty five an hour. 29 hours a week, no overtime, no benefits, none of that. Of course, I'm like actually joking, uh, but I don't think you should be paying running backs really anything at all other than like a very minimal salary. You can easily draft these guys and develop them and get four years out of them, let them go, draft another one, develop them, get four years. The whole cycle continues on and on. Now, there's a couple guys that are different. Deontay Foreman, great year. He ain't one of them. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours, Julian Council. Again, y'all watch the show. Subscribe to the show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. Check us out wherever you're listening to this podcast. And rate, review, subscribe so you never miss a single episode of the show. And follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where next Friday, you, I mean you, can participate in a weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked On Panthers. Enjoy your weekend, MLK Day weekend. I am headed to the Bahamas on a cruise for a bachelor party. Remember I talked about the dilemma I had? If the Panthers made the playoffs, I would be out 800 bucks. Well, the Panthers didn't make the playoffs, which means I'm out 1100 bucks because I had to buy a flight because there's no way in hell at 7 a.m. on a Monday morning I am driving eight hours back. From Cape Canaveral, I'll be flying out of Orlando. So if you're gonna be there, say hello. Either way, I don't really care. Um, so, an update: since I'm gonna be gone all weekend and I'm gonna be on a boat doing, you know, cruise things, there will not be an episode on Monday. I thought about doing an interview, but news could break. So, at some point, Monday, I'll come out. When I'm back, I'll be back home probably around 3.30 or whatever. I'll record Tuesday's episode, put it out there immediately for you so I can give you an update on whatever is going on uh, with the Carolina Panthers coaching search. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding. And I'll talk to you all on Tuesday.